Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on May 27th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers today on the show. Aaron Nola, he's awesome again. Trevor Story is on fire. Week 9 sleepers, two-star pitchers, and much more. But first, happy Memorial Day weekend. You guys got any plans? What do we got going on? Scotty, huh? Big weekend? Eh? Eh? Yeah. Yeah. Scott yeah. loves talking about weekend plans yeah, that's and true. things I, that I, he's done on the weekend. Usually the weekends are just survival for me, but I actually do have some plans. Yeah, my parents are coming to town. Going to do a family, little family get-together for Memorial Day weekend, so that should be good. Solid. Chris? Mm-hmm. Oh, do I have plans? Yeah. Um, I went and saw Top Gun Maverick last night. How was it? Phenomenal. <laughs> there, that movie had no business being that good. They could have made a crappy movie and it still would have made like $500 million. And instead they made a legitimately entertaining, like not the best blockbuster I've seen this year because everything everywhere all at once still holds that title. In that same discussion, really, really just enjoyable movie. Way to go. Nice. Do do you think they make bad, when they make a a bad movie, do you think they're making it bad on purpose? Um, I think there's there's a level of care that goes into some movies versus other ones. And, And generally speaking, I think Tom Cruise probably ensures a pretty high level of care with his movies he's he seems like that like he's taken this seriously he's not out here for a paycheck he's Mm -hmm. you know learning how to fly helicopters and jet planes because he wants to make good art (laughs) so i think i think he's uh his inclusion like the mission impossible movies also they don't need to be as good as they are it's kind of like it's kind of shocking how good those (laughs) movies are those movies just need to be dumb and they'll make the money they do. And I, instead they're really, really good. I, well, I it's, just, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, the amount of effort that goes into making a movie, I, I, I feel I don't like want, I would yeah, necessitate a certain amount of caring, but I'm being flippant. Obviously <laughs> I think every, the, everybody cares. There's a, there's a level of, it's just some no, movies I, are better I, I, I than was, they are. I was interested in the perspective. I wasn't giving you a hard time. It's just, uh, 
Uh, now I feel bad for impugning <laughs> there are, the motives. There are, plenty, of, there are plenty of bad high budget movies, so I just I just figured. Now I now I feel bad. Now there's someone listening who works in <laughs> film who's like, well, you know, fantasy analysts don't need to be as good as they are, but you know, Scott White exists. Uh, <laughs> All right, with that, let's talk some baseball. That was me saying Scott's good at analyzing. Oh, no. I, I didn't want it to sound, come off like I was being mean. He to sure anyone is. but myself. <laughs> let's do it. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. All right. Let's start with Scott. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. Oh, boy. Eric Lauer. Uh-oh. Starting to sour on Lauer, Frank, I think. I, uh, I noticed last time, if you'll remember, daily listeners will remember, I pointed out his velocity was beginning to recede a bit and with it, the swinging strikes were as well. And that continued in this start. His velocity was still up a little from last year, but not, you know, not by a full mile per hour. It's it's, it was down, let's see, 0.8 from his season average. And, uh, you know, probably close to a full mile per hour from where he was throwing at his peak. And he only got one strikeout in this start at St. Louis. He only got eight swinging strikes on his 96 pitches. So, you know, both of those numbers have been falling. Two starts in a row with less than a strikeout per inning. He did have four walks in this start, and that's out of character. He he entered with eight walks all season. So I'm not so worried about that. But he was not a strikeout pitcher prior to this year. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he managed to discover something... Over in the second half last year, in spite of that, I think by mixing in more secondaries, but it was really the 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 bump in velocity this year that was, I think, primarily responsible for those back to back double digit swinging, double digit strikeout efforts we saw earlier. And um, I don't know if it was just a mirage for Eric Lauer, so I'm not saying I'm not saying we're I mean, look, the the start was the last two starts have been good enough. I'm I'm not saying we're anywhere close to to like dropping Eric Lau or anything. But could you consider shopping him? Yeah. I mean, you want you want a really high return, but I, I think there's a chance this this begins to go off the rails for him. And and looking into the way his season has gone so far, you see some trends for the season long numbers that are there in this start as well, which is Fastball and slider have been really good um, at limiting hard contact, at getting whiffs. Everything else has been pretty middling. You could argue even bad. The cutter and curveball have both allowed at least a 389 expected WOBA, a WOBA of 394 on each pitch uh, with you know pretty hard, hard hit rates. And tonight, 91 miles per hour average exit velocity on the curveball, 94 with the changeup, which he threw 10 times after only throwing 12 times in his previous, uh, what, eight starts. And then 101, uh, only one ball in play on the cutter, but it was smoked. So that continues to be an issue for him. And if the fastball is not going to play up because the velocity's down, then yeah, it, it starts to get a little worrisome. And surprise, surprise, Eric Lauer falls into that group in the rankings where we were just talking about it yesterday, Chris, it's just kind of hard to rank right now. Mm SP 23 through 36 for me, it's Charlie Morton. What do we do with him right now? Logan Webb, 
Eric Lauer, you know, kind of showing signs. Zach Allen coming back down to earth a little bit. Jose Barrios has had a weird season. So mm-hmm. that entire you know group of the twelve. Tre- Trevor Rogers, Kyle yeah. Wright has starting to show some some iffy signs. Um, yeah, I, I think of all those you named. You know, I was saying you could shop Lauer, but but to your point about it being a difficult group to rank, I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure any of those I would trade Lauer for. Like, I'm not... I would rather have Trevor Rogers still. Ooh, he's the one I'm probably most worried about. I think I, g- I get being worried about him, but, I, like, I, I would still... I, I would bet on Trevor Rogers rediscovering his changeup over Eric Lauer either, you know, going back to being you know, the guy who throws 95 or finding a high level success without it. And uh, that's not to say I don't think Eric Lauer will be good, but it's just the difference between the 35th pitcher and the 55th pitcher tends Mm -hmm. to be pretty slim. And I could see him falling in that range. I would say of the ones you named, the one I do definitively trust more than Lauer is Kyle Wright. Whatever iffy signs he's shown, I don't think are as, as concerning to me as Lauer's. All right, Kyle Wright, by the way, turned in his sixth quality start of the season on Thursday, six and two-thirds. He gave up three runs, five strikeouts, still had 15 swinging strikes. He's another one, the velocity down about one mile per hour on the fastball and sinker, and that's something that's helped elevate his game. Obviously, the curveball has been awesome for him. It hasn't been happening consecutively, the velocity issue with Wright. He also like kind of faded his curveball in this start, which was interesting because... That has been his most used pitch this year. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe he just wasn't feeling it. He had like four straight perfect innings at one point, only allowed three hits in the game, uh, put a couple guys on base on balls in the seventh inning, and then reliever came in and let him in. So the, the yeah. final line looks worse than it should have for Wright. Yeah, it's close. I have Lauer ranked one spot ahead of Kyle Wright, but he's kind of in this mix too, where the breakout looked awesome early, a little bit shaky now, but. Let's see how these guys kind of rebound moving forward, uh, both Kyle Wright and Eric Lauer. Oh, my goodness gracious for you, Chris. Who you got? I'm going to pivot because I just saw something very interesting. Right. Is that okay? We, we were, we'll talk about Nestor Cortez oh, we will. at some point, but I'm going to talk about Oscar Gonzalez, Cleveland Guardians outfielder who made his, I believe he made his major league debut today. That was his first game, right? Yep. Three batted balls of at least 107 miles per hour today. That is really, really impressive. Um, and it's not even just that. His max exit velo in one game was 113.1 miles per hour. So that automatically puts him in like the 95th percentile. So you don't see a lot of that. Three, game, three batted balls in one game, at least 106.8 miles an hour. And he's got pop, 113 career games at AAA, 27 home runs. He's a 274 career hitter, strikeout rate, 102 strikeouts and 487 plate appearances. That's not great, but it's honestly not that bad. It's like 22%. Um, So actually, that's pretty good at this point. Doesn't run, doesn't walk. Apparently just stays stationary or maybe <laughs> skips around the bases. I'm not sure. Yeah. When you when you say uh, doesn't walk, he had a 308 on base percentage at AAA yeah. this year. But yeah, he, he with does a have 282 power. average. Yeah. Yeah. 
you know, you, you could hit 200 with a 308 on base percentage, and that's not bad. 282 yeah. to 308. Yeah, he, he's, he's going to swing the stick. And from what we saw in this game, you know, interesting things could happen when he swings the stick. So that, uh, that certainly was eye-opening for me in going through the box scores. So Oscar Gonzalez, outfielder for Cleveland. Yeah, I like that call quite a bit, Chris. I, I noticed the batted balls as well. I tweeted about it, and <laughs> three of those over 106 miles per hour showed some pop last year. 31 home runs in the minors between AA and AAA last year while hitting 293. Uh, he was performing quite well so far this season as well. He was hitting 282, nine home runs there. He's 5% rostered. He's not a 12 team league, you know, not even no. a five outfielder, but, you know, in, in those deeper AL only 15 team roto. He's a name to watch. Let's see what happens with Oscar Gonzalez. Oh my goodness gracious for me, someone we haven't really talked about that much this season, but Aaron Nola nearly goes the distance at the Braves. Eight and one-third innings pitched, five hits, one run, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. He had 15 swinging strikes in this start. And if you just kind of compare this year versus last year, it seems eerily similar. The biggest difference is just the ground ball rate. And that was something I kept pointing to last year. It was just so weird that the ground ball rate was just 40% for Aranola last season, whereas for most of his career, it's 48, 49, 50%. Now this season, back up to 48%. And so far, I know, you know, he's had some rough starts here and there, but ERA down to 3.56. The underlying numbers love Aranola. So I don't, there's not really much to to add, like, action-wise for, for Aranola mm-hmm. outside of the fact that I, I think he's a top 10 starting pitcher again. Yeah. I kind of think we've gotten to a point, you know, maybe at times last year people accused us of being too soft on Aranola, but I, I, I think people kind of judge him too harshly now <laughs> because, yeah, he'll have this occasional start where he gives up a couple homers or, or maybe gets babbipped because of the bad defense, but for the most part, the the things he has direct control over, he does amazingly well, and it's it's showing up more in the numbers this year because of great starts like this to offset the not-so-great ones. All right, that is Aaron Nola. Again, not really much to add. Uh, he's awesome. Good to see the, the results uh, come out here against the Braves. Let's talk about some of those other stud pitchers from Thursday. We'll start with uh, Nestor Cortez. His second eight-inning outing of the season, he goes eight-plus Against the Tampa Bay Rays, he gives up one run, four hits, five strikeouts, just seven swinging strikes. And we're talking beforehand. I asked you guys, I'm just like, what do we do? What do we do with Nestor Cortez? Do we just keep rolling him out there? Is he a must-start pitcher? Do we try and sell high? It's I don't know what selling high on Nestor Cortez looks like. Is there anyone in a league that's dying to get their hands on Nestor Cortez and unproven kind of journeyman pitcher who's Got a sub two ERA. I don't know. Maybe there is. Chris, my I my thought is one. He pitched for the New York Yankees. Two. He's got the nasty Nestor nickname, and you know he throw he pitches in a weird way. Like he uses all kinds of different arm angles and has you know he hesitation when he pitches and and all this stuff that makes him interesting and. He has a mustache, which, you know, always like a lot about him makes him a novelty. And I think because of that, 
I do think he does get I, like I think there's a lot of excitement about Nestor Cortez, and maybe maybe this is impacted by you know my my coastal elitist bias, and you know the the fact that I was walking the streets of New York City last weekend and or three weekends ago at this point. And and heard a group of bros talking about nasty Nestor, and so maybe I'm, I'm maybe I'm just maybe I'm Yankee pilled, <laughs> um, but I think people buy it uh, is what I would say. Well, I mostly buy it. I I I'm like he's not going to have a 170 ERA. He's probably not going to have 10.4 K per nine. But I, I mean, you combine. His numbers from last year and this year, talking 30 appearances, 22 of them starts, and he looks like a must-start pitcher. I I do think in the strictest sense he's a sell high, but as you're saying, like, am I confident right now Nestor Cortez is better than Eric Lauer or any of those others in that range, Jose Barrios? Uh, Am am I confident he's worse than them, I should say? And, And no, I'm not. I'd probably at this point just stick with Nestor Cortez. Now, if you wanted to use him to to get a hitter, I mean, hitter's the greater need for everybody. So you'd probably it would probably have to be like a combination buy low on the hitter and sell high on the pitcher. So I don't know uh, what's a good what's a hitter we still believe in. Who I don't know if we believe in him, but the ultimate buy low is Marcus Semyon. Just always yes. kind of refer to him or Teoscar Hernandez. That's like I would definitely trade Nestor Cortez for for Teoscar Hernandez. If my pitching was strong that I you know, I could give up Nestor Cortez and it would be hardly a blip for me, then then yeah, I would do that. But if if I'm putting if I'm potentially putting my pitching in a hole to do that, I'd still probably do it, but I just I, I don't know what putting in a hole means in this context because I think he's probably going to be like a slightly above average pitcher moving forward. And, and maybe that's just not giving him enough credit. He is weird weird. and weird pitchers. Like he could be just a weird pitcher who like the novelty works and Mm -hmm. he just defies expectations. And like, it's not like he's just getting really lucky with balls on balls in play. I mean, he does have like a two sixty career Babbitt or whatever it is, but He's got a 30% strikeout rate this season. You know, notwithstanding this start, he's been getting strikeouts like you want to see. He's not walking anybody. Yeah. And he does uh, it with he does it without swinging strikes too. It's so weird. Right. That's that's what makes me prone to believe that it's not necessarily sustainable. Like he's Looking at a leaderboard that features 209 players and he is 47th in CSW, so that's pretty good. That's like 80th percentile. And he's pretty good in terms of the number of foul balls he gets, which is something that, you know, CSW obviously doesn't count and matters. You know, whether whether getting a lot of foul balls is a skill is a different question, but the top guy is Justin Verlander, and Carlos Rodon is right after him, and Nathan Avaldi. So, you know, Kevin Gosman gets a lot of uh, foul balls. So that is a potentially hidden skill that he could have. But generally speaking, my sense is that Nestor Cortez is pitching way over his head and coming off a near shutout, uh, near complete game shutout over the Rays. I would be inclined to try to sell him right now. I've moved him into my top 35 at starter, 36 at starting pitcher. Uh, 
So I'm not saying move him for anything, but that's also a glob of pitchers, as we've talked about, where I don't really know what to make of them. And Nestor Cortez is a pitcher I don't really know what to make of. So, you know, it's a really interesting one. Tarek Skubal versus Nestor Cortez. Tarek Skubal had another solid start today. Mm-hmm. Uh, did give up a lot of loud contact today, which he'd been avoiding in the yeah. past, but had another good start. ERA down to 244. Who'd you rather have rest of season? Cortez. Yeah, that is a good one. Um, I mean, Cortez, the thing about Cortez, and I know see, see Cortez kind of came on last year after Chris was transitioning more to football. So so Chris kind of missed the whole what's going on with this guy phase of Nestor Cortez last year. Uh, it was 14 starts where, you know, he wasn't he didn't have a 170 ERA, but it was the same sort of thing. Like he just yeah. delivered great start after great start with crappy peripherals, frankly. Um when I say peripherals, I don't mean like strikeouts. The strikeouts were fine. Yeah. It's just like swinging strikes. It's just like, oh, he's preventing runs, but he's giving up a ton of fly balls. Like yeah. things we you normally think of as warning signs, and they weren't coming back to bite him. And now it's continued into this year. So I'm just kind of like, eh. I mean, he's he's probably just good in this very weird way. Yeah. I do wonder if it's one of those things, and I hope I'm wrong. I mean, just watching him and rooting for him, it's it's been really fun to watch. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, the more teams see him – multiple times, uh, you know, yeah. later on in the season, there's more film. People are starting, you know, they just start to pick it up on be- things a little bit more. You know, you know what that makes me think of, Frank? You'll, you'll remember this one. Back when A-Rod played for the Rangers, he was pay- playing against the Yankees. And uh, he was going against Le- uh, Orlando Hernandez, El Duque. And El Duque throws him one of those Ephesus. And A-Rod looks ridiculous on it. Swings, swings over it, makes him look silly. El Duque throws another one. Next pitch. A-Rod hits it like 470 feet. <laughs> it, it makes me think of th- like that kind of thing where like you can get away with the novelty act once or twice, but eventually it catches up with you. But yeah. I feel like I'm probably like I'm I might be being unfair and I'm definitely gonna have people get mad at me as a result of <laughs> everything that I'm saying here. No, because Luckily, there's a, I'm there, not in New York City, so I can let it all blow over. There's a part of me uh. that kind of agrees with you, Chris. That that's why, like, yeah. I think it's good to talk it out because he he is such an interesting case. So I, I think to he's, put a bow a, on it, he's the pitcher that defies process. And, and it's yes, it's if, like if you are believing in him. It's like Joe Ryan. You know, Joe Ryan's mm-hmm. in a similar place. Um, true. And I have similar doubts about him. And maybe that's my own bias. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm a stuffist. Maybe I, I just I can only take guys seriously if they throw 97, and, and that's a flaw in my analysis. All right, let's move on from Nestor Cortez. I, I, you know, someone's going to email me, 10 minutes on Nestor Cortez, you're such a Yankee fan, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, for, uh, for <laughs> I will say... <laughs> no, no more, Chris. <laughs> the nasty Nestor nickname, like it's catchy, it doesn't apply. He's not nasty. He's crafty. He's redefining. You've never in the box against him, Chris. What That's true. Know? I would not be able to make contact. <laughs> He's he redefining. would blow those 90, 91 mile an hour fastballs by me. Uh, well, actually, last point I will mention on him. The, oh, vo- no. the velocity like, was up quite a bit for Nestor Cortez <laughs> in just, this start. So. I'm just right, saying, last thing, last Shane thing. McClanahan is nasty. 
Okay. Frankie, you know, Dylan Cease is nasty. Frankie Montas is the last one I want to mention in this trio of awesome pitchers. Frankie Montas is nasty. He was nasty in this one. Double-digit strikeouts in two of his last three. Up against the Rangers, seven innings, one unearned run, 11 strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes. Ten of those came on the splitter, which was just absolutely ridiculous in this start. 3.12 is the ERA, and Montas has his best walk rate since 2019. He is inside of that top 22 starting pitchers that I feel very confident about. It's the pitchers that come right after that. Let's take a look at offenses who blew up on Thursday, starting with the Reds. In maybe the most useless 20-run performance of all time, Tommy (laughs) Pham went two for four with three RBI. Tyler Stevenson went three for five with two RBI. Okay, Pham, Stevenson, people have those in the lineup. Cool, that's fine. Not that many have Pham. Then we get to Kyle Farmer who went four for four with a double dong. Shout out, Chris. Started him against me in the Scott White Dynasty League. I'm starting Kyle Farmer in two different leagues right now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) He hit his second and third home run. One is a a 15-teamer. The other is a 24-teamer. So my teams aren't that bad. Uh, The other one, Nixon Zell, went four for four with three runs scored, leading off in this game. Scott, is there anything here to see with Kyle Farmer or Nixon Zell? No, no, no. I'm not going to say like the Reds have uh, pretty good matchups this upcoming week, but it's going to take more than one game for me to to start recommending those guys. Tommy Pham, on the other hand, we've been (laughs) we've been banging the drum for Tommy Pham for a while now. And we've been and and it's worth saying we've been wrong. Yeah, Tommy Pham's been pretty awful this season. But he's continued to crush the baseball. Yeah. I don't know. He, he defies process, too. But he's, the other way. he's someone who, um, we've talked about this a little bit, but the way he hits the ball lends itself to him underperforming his expected stats. It's been a consistent thing throughout his career. And um, he doesn't pull the ball enough is basically what it comes down to, especially in the air. That so is, it, it feels like Tommy Pham is having this awesome season and I pulled up his oh main no. numbers. I was, gonna, it? I was going to throw him at Chris and be like, what are you talking about? Tommy Pham has been no, awesome been in May. He's hitting is, is 244 that, in May, sub 700 OPS. If you play in a stat cast league that, that awards, <laughs> yeah. that rewards yeah. stat cast sliders, then he is a stud. Yeah. XBA. He's, he's doing very well. <laughs> Last point on this game, the Reds game. You can only imagine my face when I pull up the box score and I'm like, oh, 20 runs, Joey Votto, he's got to have multiple homers, massive game. 0 for 3 with two walks and two strikeouts. I realize he had a good game on Wednesday. Okay, you know, I'm getting greedy here. I've got a lot of Votto, man. That is just one of the worst feelings in fantasy. So, You know what that (sighs) reminds me of? Unfortunate. This is going to make you feel better about it. Remember last year, Juan Soto... Uh, went 0 for 4 in a game where the Nationals scored 13 runs. You remember this one? Not really. June but 23rd. I was writing it. about him earlier today, and so I looked that up. And that was like the, oh, man, Juan Soto. That was like the nadir of Juan Soto's percep- perceived value. He had an 1117 OPS from that point on. Book it. Joey Votto, 1,100 OPS rest of season. I will take it, man. I've got, I've got quite a few shares of Joey Votto. Apologies if anyone listened to me and started uh, Justin Steele, by the way. Yeah, that was uh, uh, one yeah. of the worst calls. Yeah, let's, the... let's just move on to the Red Sox, who put up 16 runs on 19 hits. J.D. Martinez, 
three more hits. He has multiple hits in 10 of his last 13 games. He is now batting 383 overall. J.D. Martinez is awesome. Trevor Story is also awesome right now. A sock and a shoe. Now has seven home runs over his last seven games. Has nine homers total, six steals. And was looking into May to see what is he doing differently. The pull rate is way up for Trevor Story. So maybe trying to lean into that green monster. I know they were playing in Chicago today, but it would make sense for him to kind of play into that green monster mm-hmm. and pull the ball more. So uh, the pull rate up to 53% in May compared to 35% in April for Trevor Story. The exit velocity is up. The barrel rate is up. Uh, strikeouts are also up, but we'll take it if Trevor Story is playing like this. Verdugo. He's trying to get going. He went four for five with two doubles, three RBI in this game. And the, the last one, um, unless you guys, do you, anything you wanted to add to the Red Sox? Oh, one, the Red Sox, I believe, got their third win in the last six games was what I saw without Devers, Martinez, or Bogarts getting an RBI. It was kind of amazing that they scored 16 runs and none of those guys had a run driven in today. Really? Yeah. Yeah, Devers, Martinez, and Bogarts combined to go six for 15 with eight runs scored, but didn't drive a single one in, which is kind of amazing. That is so weird. Wow. All right. Well, they're crushing the ball. Oh, and right then now, Andrew so. Vaughn had a good game on the other side. Yeah, yeah we'll get to Vaughn a little I'm bit feeling later. Feeling good on. about him. Uh, for the Dodgers, that, that game just wrapped up there. They put up 14 runs on 24 hits. Mookie Betts just continues to crush. Uh, and we've got a fun podcast coming up this weekend for Monday's action. Talk about that in a little bit. But um, Mookie Betts, three hits and three more runs scored. Freddie Freeman, a massive game, went four for five, hit his fourth homer, added five RBI. Chris Taylor went three for six, hit his fifth home run. Cody Bellinger, three for six, three RBI. And uh, Edwin Rios went three for six. He has now started five straight. Scott, any interest in deeper leagues? Edwin Rios starting to play more. Obviously an awesome lineup. Uh, is he playing that much more? Because I had cycled he has, him through in the 2014 Dynasty League, hoping he'd start to play more, and it just wasn't happening. He only oh, has he six, started four games in a row all of a sudden. Five, he only has five six down. plate appearances against lefties, though, all mm-hmm. season. Yeah, that is that's interesting. So who is who is losing playing time because of that? I believe Max Muncy sat today. So I think they've just, they just been kinda, c- cycling through that one player that they bench. Yeah, I feel like Lux has sat a, a little bit lately too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, deserve it. Like that's the one guy they can afford yeah. to lose, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, you know, it'd have to be a pretty deep league. Is thanks to, like he definitely has power, Rios, and and uh, in that lineup, he could do some damage if if this becomes a trend. But you know, he started three games in a row earlier this month and then sat. If they Five get two lefties, row, if know? they get two lefties in a row, he's probably going to sit two games in a row. Yeah, they've got seven games next week, and at least two lefties on the schedule as of now. Three of those games come against Pirates pitching, though, so kind of like that. <laughs> well, Mets pitching too. I guess you can kind of pick on the Mets pitchers now that there's no Scherzer either. There, so the Dodgers uh, have the fourth best matchups this week. Ah, uh, I kind of like Edwin Rios, man. In those deeper roto leagues, yeah, let's do it. Uh, all right. 
before we hit the break, let's promote a few things. Fantasy Baseball Today is here to help you dominate your league all season long, but now you can represent your favorite podcast with official Fantasy Baseball Today gear only found on the CBS Sports Store. Discover t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition. Right now, Fantasy Baseball Today listeners will get 20% off orders when they use this podcast exclusive code, Fantasy Baseball 20, during checkout. That's Fantasy Baseball 20, and it's only available for our listeners. Head over to store.cbsports.com slash collections slash Fantasy Baseball Today and shop now. The link is in the podcast and YouTube description. If you ever buy anything, by the way, Tweet at me at Roto underscore Frank, and we'll retweet it. We'll retweet it from the FBT account too, and uh, we'll spread the love, the FBT love. Uh, do you want to hear about top prospects? Well, you can listen to our Saturday episode of Fantasy Baseball Today in Five. That's our five minute podcast. Download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. And just a programming update for Memorial Day. We won't have our normal recap podcast Sunday night slash Monday morning. I'm going to Boston for the weekend to see the goat, the goats, Metallica. So I'm very excited about that. You think but you'll go to Boston? You think you'll start a new life? I am uh, shipping up to Boston, as they would okay. say. Enemy territory. I'm going to try to go to Fenway on Saturday, but um, there's, oh, some, man. there's some rain in the forecast, so going to have to see what happens there. Um, but anyway, we're having a our podcast Sunday night will be a redraft of the first two rounds, and uh, it will premiere on YouTube at 10 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to follow along, watch it. It's like live, but not really live. It's already recorded, but you can do that. Uh, and then the podcast will drop on Monday morning. Let's take a break and we will return right after this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on fantasy baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. The news and notes. Ronald Acuna has missed two straight games with a grade one right quad strain. And I'm a little nervous about it. I hope everything's all right there. But, uh, you know, this, he had the groin recently. I think they should play it safe. And 
So far, that's what they're doing. Josh Hader was reinstated from the family medical emergency list on Thursday. He picked up his 16th save of the season, uh, tying for the league lead with Taylor Rogers. Jack Flaherty threw 25 pitches while facing live hitters on Thursday. It was the first time facing hitters since he was shut down with that shoulder injury. So some good news there for Jack Flaherty. Fran Reyes was placed in the IL with a with right hamstring tightness, retroactive to May 25th. And I think a little refresh might do the big man well, as he is hitting just 195 with three home runs. Scott, if you play in a league with no IL spots, would you drop Fran Reyes? Points league, easily. Three outfielder categories league, I'd probably be willing to do that, yeah. Five outfielder league, no. All right, Tyler O'Neill hopes to be ready He's to strike out like forty percent of the time this year. So, yeah. so He's still weird. hitting the ball really well. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I mean, any strikeout rate that high is um, it's going to be hard to recover from that. I was about to make a Joey Gallo comment. I'll keep it to myself. I have a theory, <laughs> but um, yeah, another podcast. Tyler O'Neill hopes to be ready to start a minor league rehab assignment early next week. He is on the IL with a right shoulder impingement. Seiya Suzuki left Thursday's game with a left right, left ring finger sprain and is day-to-day. Marcel Ozuna was scratched Thursday due to lower abdominal tightness. Taylor Ward has now been out of the lineup for five straight games while dealing with a nerve issue in his shoulder. Tigers outfield prospect Riley Green will begin a rehab assignment for low A on Friday. He's missed the first two months with a fractured foot. To put that in perspective just the the rehab timeline different injuries but Adley Rutschman started his rehab assignment the final week of April he made his debut May 21st so so yeah I'm the, thinking three to four weeks for Riley Green and then we probably see him the question I have is is this officially a rehab assignment that's what or, it said that was the CBS yeah that's that's what I'm update. seeing yeah because that, that would change the potential timetable for him getting called up because you know, they could still option him, I suppose. But if he's on the Major League IL, that would, yeah, presumably he would just get called up at the end of the 30 days or whatever. He's not on the Major League IL, though, because uh, okay. he hasn't been... 30, 30 days is kind of the timetable Frank just laid out anyway. Yeah, yeah. so um, I'm thinking mid to late June for, for Riley Green. He's 49% rostered. I would say any yeah, he's, any five outfielder league, you you want to stash him right now. He's still not on the yeah he's not on the forty day or forty man roster. So, mm-hmm. speaking of prospects, Shane Boz gave up one run over two and a third innings in his most rehabs most recent rehab start at AAA. Yuan Moncada missed Thursday's game due to leg soreness. Ramon Laureano, Wilson Contreras, and Josh Rojas each returned to their respective lineups after multi-game absences. Nico Horner will be the Cubs' primary shortstop, with Anderson Simmons sliding over to second base moving forward. Christopher Morell started in center field on Thursday and was leading off for a third straight game. Uh, has, has, has Simmons' defensive metrics, like, cratered or something? Like, why would you have Anderson Simmons play anywhere other than shortstop? Uh, it's a yeah, good I don't question. know, especially with his arm. He is getting up there in age, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's okay. He's only played nine games, so there's not really any. Yeah, um, that's weird. Like that, like his whole value is playing world class shortstop. Yeah, that's uh, that's just a 
it's not it's not particularly fantasy relevant. That, that's bizarre. Scott, you shot me a look when I said that, and I was like, uh oh, what did I say wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Scott's about it's to slam dunk on me. me. So. Uh, Christopher Morrell is the one I wanted to talk about here, though. He started in center field on Thursday, and he was leading off for a third straight game. He's batting 313 with two homers, two steals. He's 8% rostered, and he is the 21st-ranked Cubs prospect, according to MLB.com. Uh, Chris, do you know anything about Christopher Morrell? Should we be adding him in deeper leagues? Sorry, I, I was looking up something about Shane Boz, so I, I don't know what we're... I'm sorry. Scott, do you know anything about Christopher Morrell? Uh, a little bit. I mean, being a team's 21st ranked prospect isn't that impressive. Seems like he has been a huge strikeout guy in the minors, but was off to a good start at Double A this year. He's getting some at bats in the majors. I doubt he's going to be mixed league. Route mixed league. Look at me talking like it's 2005. I doubt he's going to be 12-team relevant, but uh, but there's some upside there, sure. Sorry, I was trying to see if there was any stat cast data for Shane Boz's start, but there wasn't. Uh, there's like a backdoor trick where you can get stat cast data for like some AAA leagues yep. or for some AAA teams, but not not his that's, game. That's a... As much typing as you were doing, that is a well-hidden <laughs> backdoor... I, I, uh, I try to mute myself when I'm typing. I'm sorry. Oh, we don't. We get comments. I know. We get I comments know. and emails I'm like I'm the worst. Chris is I'm clankety, clickety, clanketing. Boz, Boz is out there in some leagues, by the way. So that needs to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's absolutely. like eighty percent rostered. Uh, Drew Seckenrider was option two AAA, which takes him out of the equation for saves in Seattle. Only, only seven relievers getting saves for the Mariners now. Yeah, sounds about right. Kevin Biggio was recalled from AAA, where he hit 276 with three doubles and two steals. Nothing here yet, but just a name to throw on the scout team, Kevin Biggio. Matt Manning was shut down from throwing after being diagnosed with right biceps tendonitis. Uh, and last but not least... Matt Carpenter was signed by the Yankees and thrown right into the lineup Thursday as DJ LeMahieu is dealing with a wrist injury and Aaron Hicks was out with a hamstring. The week nine preview schedule is a little wonky for next week. Let's take a look. 14 teams have six games. 11 teams have seven. And then we've got four teams with eight games next week. The Tigers, the Brewers, the Twins, and the Cardinals. One lucky team has nine games. That is the... Chicago Cubs, Christopher Morrell, go at him. Maybe not. Uh, let's start with these fringy two-star pitchers and whether or not we're starting them in a points league, start them everywhere, or maybe we just avoid. These are the names that I chose. Chris Bassett has kind of been rocked last couple of starts. He's going up against the Nationals and at the Dodgers. So I'm starting him. Yeah. Scott? Me too. I still have him in the must-start, two-start pitchers. All right. Luis Castillo at the Red Sox versus the Tigers. Red Sox Who's are starting him? hot right now. Yeah, less than must-start, but I agree. He's, he's been trending the right direction with the velocity and everything else. Our good friend, Uncle Charlie Morton. At the Diamondbacks, you like it. At the Rockies, you hate it. Um, What days does he pitch? Do you know? I can pull it up for you. He pitches on Monday and Saturday. Uh, okay, Frank, make plans. 
for <laughs> Monday and Saturday whenever the Braves are playing. You're not allowed to watch. I generally do I, not watch. Go, go see a movie or or something. Just don't watch Charlie Morton pitch. I People probably I, don't want to hear this. I don't watch baseball on Saturdays. It's, it's kind of like my one refresh day for the week. Don't watch the games, Frank. <laughs> I only uh, watch on spreadsheets. Charlie <laughs> Morton, I actually, because of that... Uh, you well, got to start because, him. Because his... Okay, I was gonna say right. something different. You gotta start him. I'm kind of, well, I'm kind of scared in category leagues, honestly. I, I yeah, I, I, I get it. Him, I have him at the top of the points league only section of my two star pitcher rankings. I get it. I, I, I get it. Yep. It's just, I don't know. Like, I get it's a game at Coors Field, but like, man, if we're not starting Charlie Morton in a two start week, I would do it in a points league. I'm gonna do it in a. a a 15-team Roto League just because I don't have options, but if I play in a 12-team category league, I think that I will have better options than I mean, playing Charlie Morton in Coors Field. It's just, he had a couple starts where he looked like he was back on track and then a couple where he looked miserable again. It's more of that, but then you throw the Coors Field start on top of it, and it's just like, yeah, in categories leagues, I, I feel like there's too much risk of harm there. Mm-hmm. Ranger Suarez... Against the Giants and against the Angels, so two yeah, tougher matchups. You're sitting. I also, yeah. I I also have them in the points league only section. Obviously, there's a much yeah lower threshold to meet in points leagues because a bad start does less damage to you. And he's a spark, so mm-hmm. right. Marcus Stroman has pitched better recently. Two tough matchups against the Brewers and Cardinals. Points league only. Points league only. Yeah. Paul Blackburn has pitched very well this season. I believe he has a sub two ERA. He's going up against the Astros and the Red Sox. Wolf. Points league only. Yes. Yep. All right. Last one here. I, I don't. Do we just drop Kyle Hendricks? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It, it was this who we were talking about yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, it's a rule of thumb. It's not like a hard and fast rule. But if you're not willing to start someone in a two start week. They're probably not that rosterable, and I think Kyle Hendricks is definitely droppable. Yep, I, I, he's not even in the points league only section for me. He's just in the no thanks. In my home league, which is a head-to-head points league, I dropped Kyle Hendricks for Jacob Junis myself. So that is something yep. I, I would endorse yeah. doing right now. Uh, all right, Scott, two start pitchers to stream this upcoming week. Who you got? George Kirby looked better in his last start, and he gets the Orioles and the Rangers this week. Two great matchups. Yep. So that is highly advisable. He's only 75% rostered now. Aaron Ashby, some good, some bad in his his first turn taking over from Freddie Peralta, but I I do like the upside. Must start in a points league. He gets the Cubs and the Padres. Yeah, I I have him. I have him even um, in a higher category than points league. So you might might start him in some of those category leagues too. Jake Judas, you just mentioned Frank. He's only 14% rostered. He gets the Phillies, not so great, but he also gets the Marlins in Miami. So, uh, you know, as a, as a streamer, I like him. We mentioned Marcus Stroman already. He's actually available in 22% of leagues, so I can mention him here. And then Glenn Otto, this is the most available of all of the two-start sleepers. Only 5% rostered. He gets the Rays. He gets the Mariners. It's not amazing matchups but like he's just he's been pretty good his swinging strike rate especially is is uh is nice to see so if you're looking to get an extra start 
in your lineup. I'd, I'd rather start Glenn Otto than somebody like uh, Kyle Hendricks or Herman Marquez, who has two home starts this week. I, I think I think Otto's a a nice deep choice. Scott, why do you keep saying his name like that? Why? How should I say it? Why aren't you saying it the way you said it Glenn last year? Otto. <laughs> 1-800-GLEN-AUTO. Yeah, let's do it. Which brings us to <laughs> the fortune favors the brave two-start pitcher of the week. I was going to go with Glenn Otto, but Scotty throwing out him out there as a yeah, streamer. It's not brave enough. Not uh, brave enough. I, I like it, man. I like it. Uh, so for me, uh, I kind of like the matchups. I don't think that this pitcher is good, but I'm going to say Michael Waka. He's going up against the Reds, yeah. although they just put up 20 runs, uh, and he's at Oakland. So uh, I, I like at, those he's matchups. At the top of my, he's at the top of the no thanks tier. So I don't actually recommend him, but I don't actually recommend any fortune favors the Brave pick. Yeah, let's get Brave. Yeah. Michael you Waka. You want a fortune favor the Brave pick that I don't recommend? Who you got? How about Dylan Bundy? That's who I was going to pick. Oh, He's got the like Tigers and, and Blue Jays. Blue Jays, not a great matchup, but not a terrible one right now. They, they, and, they are among the five lowest scoring teams. Are the and Jays. the Tigers, are the Tigers are the worst offense in baseball? By far. Yeah. By far. Yeah, the, if, we're, if, we're, if we're measuring it by runs anyway. So I, I was going to pick Bundy too. That stinks. Oof. The, the double fortune favors the brave I, recommendation. We've never had I that. I picked Bundy last week, and Chris chided me. Well, he didn't even make two starts, so no, clearly I was right. His one start was, was solid. But yeah, no, he's... Don't actually start Dylan Bundy, but if you're braver than me... Okay. Start Dylan Bundy. All right, <laughs> let's take a look at uh, single start streamers for next week. Who do you have there, Scott? Uh, Yes... Singles. Let me pull that list up. Okay, so Christian Javier, amazingly, is still available in a quarter of leagues. He's at Oakland. Yeah, that's like a must start as far as yep. I'm concerned. Not even really a sleeper. Jose Urquidy, who suddenly missed a lot of bats in his last start. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if he can keep doing it, but he's at the Royals this week, so I'm willing to bet on him. Bailey Ober gets the Tigers. I think Bailey Ober's pretty good. He never goes past five innings, though. And obviously, we just talked about how bad the Tigers matchup is. Uh, those are the only ones I really How good like. the Tigers matchup is. Yeah, how bad the Tigers offense is, is what I meant yeah. to say. I have Hyunjin Ryu against the White Sox, Jeffrey Springs at the Rangers. I'm less motivated to start either of them, but they round out my top 10 sleeper pitchers. Best hitter matchups for next week. We've got the Cardinals, the Braves, the Tigers, the Dodgers, and the Cubs. The worst hitter matchups, the White Sox, the Angels, the A's, the Phillies, and the Pirates. All right, Scott. Did we get some players rounded we up did. here? All right, what do we got? Sleeper we hitters. I'm a, li- I'm a little behind in my prep this week, so apologies for that. But for the Cardinals, now remember the Cardinals are coming off a week with miserable matchups. So Juan Yepes has understandably cooled off, but I think with the Cardinals now having the best matchups and really the only the only one of those teams with eight plus games this week that have that are that are facing bad pitchers, it just so happens that most of them uh, are kind of tough matchups. But the Cardinals, I, I'd, I'd get Juan Yepes in there. Uh, Nolan Gorman is actually too rostered to recommend for as a sleeper hitter, but of course it would apply to him too. 
the Cubs are the team with nine games. And, and like I said, the pitchers they're facing are pretty tough, but still, you have, it's nine games. So I think uh, Patrick Wisdom, who's, of course, been on a home run binge, is advisable. Frankie Two Hits, Frank Schwindel, has been on a hot streak recommending here every time the cubs have good matchups i'm recommending ian happ and his roster rate just isn't going up at all even though he continues to perform so he might he might be at the top of the list this week frankly and you didn't mention it among the hit the best hitter matchups because they only have six games in a week where a bunch of teams have seven eight and nine but the reds are facing the red Sox and nationals rotations this week wow some pretty mashable pitchers between the two of them. Uh, so a lot of those guys we were talking about in the 20-run game, like Joey Votto, who has has looked a little better since coming off the IL. Uh, Brandon Drury, Tommy Pham. I actually looked it up, Frank. Tommy Pham has been the fourth, even prior to this big game Thursday, Tommy Pham had been the 43rd best outfielder in points leagues. God, outfield, outfield is so bad. It's yeah, bad. so it's like he's ahead of like Seiya Suzuki, Marcelo Zuna, mm. uh, some pretty big names in terms of like. So we, in a way, he sort of has had a good season. Um, but yeah, with these good matchups, I think Pham's advisable. The Rockies are at home all week for seven games. Again, the the pitchers could be better, but course Field has a way of neutralizing good pitchers. So anytime the Rockies have good matchups, you know, I'm going to recommend Randall Gritchick and Brendan Rogers. Uh, you mentioned the Tigers with the third best matchups. They're one of those teams with eight games. Miguel Cabrera has been pretty hot here in the month of May, batting 333 with three home runs and an 869 OPS. He has a high line drive rate this year, which partly explains that. And he's in that miserable offense. He's about the one Tigers hitter I can muster a recommendation for as a one-week sleeper. Uh, all right, I unless I missed it, Scott, I didn't hear your boy William Contreras on that list. Oh yeah, he is. Sorry, okay. yeah, um, yeah. I had him in this other list. I need to move him over. But yes, it must be number one. Uh, number one. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to say a catcher is number the number one sleeper hitter, but is he really a catcher? Mm. Mm. He's an everyday player who plays catcher sometimes. We're getting yeah. philosophical now. Yeah, he's kind of like the Dalton Varsho of the Braves, except he doesn't run. But uh, William Contreras is forty two percent rostered, and he's got, I believe, three games in Coors Field next week, seven games total. So. If you need a catcher, for sure, William Contreras, someone you should be targeting. All right, let's wrap up with some leftovers here from Thursday's action. And we're getting a lot of questions about Connor Joe right now, who has slowed down a bit here in May. He's still hitting for batting average, 289, but just no power. He's got a 325 slugging percentage for the month. His average exit velocity is below 83 miles per hour. <laughs> that is bad, um, but... You know, still making contact and hitting for batting average. So, Chris, would you hold Connor Joe? He's ninety percent rostered. He's got seven home games next week. Yeah, I mean, it's one. He's got seven home games, so there's no way I would drop him right now. Yeah. And two, who am I going to start or add over him? Like it's outfield. We just right. Tommy Pham's the number forty-three outfielder in points leagues. I don't know if you guys heard that, but <laughs> outfielder's really bad. 
Uh, well, he's probably inside so, the top 40 after this game. Um, Thursday. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I, 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 like, so they play seven home games next week, which means that by the end of next week, they're going to have played 32 of 53 games at home. And I bring that up just to say that that means that they've got, I don't know what the converse of that would be, 39 of 41, or I don't know what the number would be, but more road games than home games remaining. Yeah. You know, about 60% of their remaining games are going to be on the road. That's really bad for Rockies hitters. Yeah. So Connor Connor Joe Joe has been the 25th best outfielder (laughs) in points leagues this year. Yeah, that's about where I've got him ranked. Um, yeah, I I think you could possibly try to sell high if he has a good week, because there there are some concerns in his profile. But at the very least, I do think he's going to keep hitting for power or for batting average. Yep, and, and, and he's, he bats lead off for the Rockies. Yeah, he's he's been leading off. So yeah. yeah, definitely hold Connor Joe for at least next week, and then kind of let's take it from there. He's got the seven home games. What about Andrew Vaughn? He went two for four with his fifth home run. On Thursday, he added five RBI in that game. He's 68% rostered. I looked at the the splits because last year he crushed lefties. This year, very even. 850 OPS against lefties, 860 OPS against righties. The problem, Scott, there hasn't really been much power there for Vaughn either. Um, Would you be looking to hold on to Andrew Vaughn? Yeah, I mean, I've been pretty happy with the strides he's made. He's been, he's had a couple of, Stretches where he was out of the lineup for one reason or another. So I think that's that's kind of prevented him from getting momentum, from getting a lot of trust from manager, building trust with manager Tony Labrusa, uh, which is why he's playing a little less than every day. He's playing about four out of every five games. So still kind of some some chicanery going on there. I don't know that chicanery is the right word, but you get what I'm saying. So yeah, I mean. It should be going better for Vaughn than it is, but I think he's 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 made strides this year that in over the long haul will hopefully turn him into a must-start player. All right, would you uh, go ahead, Chris? Not just hold on to him, add him. He's sixty-eight percent rostered. I think that should be much higher than it is. Yeah, given I, the state of outfield, I think he should be nearly universally rostered. I have him in a few leagues, and. It's just maybe he's just been better for real life purposes than fantasy because the batting average is good, but it just feels like he hasn't really done much every every time I look at his numbers. So the batting average is great, but you know would like it's, to see more power from him. Accounting stats and playing time thing. Yeah, but yeah. you know, like he's only got 105 plate appearances. If you just paste it out to like 630, you just multiplied it by six. You know, he'd be on a 30 homer, 120 RBI pace. Mm-hmm. He's hitting the ball well. It's it's mostly just a counting stats issue. Would you rather have Andrew Vaughn or Manny Margot, who recently returned? He went two for four with a double and an RBI. He was crushing it before he got hurt. He was hitting 354, uh, three homers, five steals, and he's making harder contact than really ever before. 65% rostered is Margot. Scott, what do you think? Him versus Vaughn? I would say Vaughn I have more confidence in over the long haul. Vaughn just played his 11th game in May, it's worth pointing out. So he hasn't even gotten two weeks of action in May. So it's kind of a sample size issue. 
remember early on in April, it was like, oh, Andrew Vaughn, he looks like a must-start player. So I, I just think he needs more consistent. He just needs to be left alone, and he'll be fine. All right, some pitching leftovers from Thursday and the not-so-great kind. Hunter Green hit hard by the Cubs. Still winds up with the win because... 20 runs of support, I guess. But five innings, five runs, six strikeouts to two walks. And it kind of has the same issues as Josiah Gray that I talk about where he just walks too many, he gives up fly balls, and he pitches in a bad home park. So I just think the floor, like the upside is there, but there's also a very low floor on a per-start basis. So you really got to think about choosing your spots if you're going to play Hunter Green. Uh, and then Otani gave up five runs over six innings. He still had 10 strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes. The fastball usage was down. The velocity was down 1.6 miles per hour on the fastball. Chris, anything you'd like to add on Otani and Hunter Green? Uh, Hunter Green, I think it's pretty simple. He's just got a bad fastball. And until he fixes that, there's going to be some inconsistency in his game. And, you know, you can only hide it so much. And that's very similar to Josiah Gray. Josiah Gray has two breaking balls. Hunter Green only has one. But other than that, they're very similar. Otani, he's awesome. He made what? Like, he had a couple of home runs allowed. I think that's the only thing that went wrong for him in this start. He got a bunch of swings and misses. He's, He's really good. I'm not... I'm not worried about him at all. Um, I also, you just mentioned Hunter Green getting 20 runs in this game. Kyle Wright has 28 runs of support in 10 starts, I believe. Ew. <laughs> that's just, that, was, that was something that stood out to me. I saw that earlier today. <laughs> not great. Uh, speaking yeah. of those home runs Otani allowed, he gave up one to Vlad Guerrero Jr. Pretty awesome exchange there between the... MVP, the reigning MVP, and the runner-up in Vlad Jr. Uh, it was Vlad's ninth homer of the season, and it came off a big hanging curveball, hit it off the foul pole. JT Real Muto went one for three with his third home run, and sometime soon we've got to talk about Real Muto because he's really not having a good season. He's betting 240 with a 680 OPS. Carlos Correa went two for five and is hitting well since returning in eight games. He's betting 355. We just got to see some power now. Some baby steps for Jose Miranda, who has multi multiple hits in three of his last five games. And Paul Goldschmidt just keeps on rolling. Two for four with his eighth home run of the season. The call to the bullpen. Tanner Rainey pitched in the eighth inning with the Nats up six to three. He faced the heart of the Rockies lineup. Uh, the Nats later added a run, and then Cisha came in to pitch the ninth inning. For the Royals, Scott Barlow pitched the final two innings for his fifth save. Josh Stalmont pitched in the seventh. I think Barlow's very clearly the guy there for them now. Speaking of Barlow's, for the Rangers, I want to make sure that he actually closed this game out. Yes, he did. Joe Barlow picked up his eighth save of the season. So he didn't, I don't think he had a single save in April. And then all of a sudden, Joe Barlow has eight. So he's so you're, he, was, he was setting the bar low. Mm. And with that, let's talk about streamers for the weekend. Going into Friday, we've got Jeffrey Springs versus the Yankees, Austin Gomber at the Nats, Alex Faito versus the Guardians, Zach Eflin at the Mets, Brad Keller at the Twins, Bailey Ober versus the Royals, Jose Quintana at the Padres, Cole Irvin versus the Rangers. I think my favorite's probably Ober against the Royals. Uh, and I do kind of like Fido, but I, I, I don't know what 
his slider kind of disappeared on him in his last start. The velocity was way down on it. So I don't know that I'm ready to trust him yet, even with a pretty good matchup there against the Guardians. I, I might I might roll with Eflin instead, coming off that 12 strikeout performance against the Dodgers. The Mets aren't a very aren't, aren't a great matchup, but uh, I, Eflin may have figured something out there. I think Jeffrey Springs is usable. I, I think he's a sneaky good choice with the Yankees having so many guys out. I want like to the say, normal Yankees. I wouldn't sure. want to, but yeah, the Miguel Andujar batting fifth Yankees, maybe. I do like Springs. I hope. I hope they are making him into a true starter, yeah. as it seemed like when he went five plus his last time out. I want to agree with you guys, but I'm just going to sit out today's streamer segment after what happened with Justin Steele. I, I think it's only appropriate for Saturday. That's fair. Brady Singer at the Twins, Chris Archer versus the Royals, Adrian Hauser at the Cardinals, Matthew Liberatore versus the Brewers, Chad Cool at the Nationals, Tucker Davidson versus the Marlins, and Johnny Cueto versus the Cubs. Singer and Cool are the only ones I'd be moderately interested in, and I think I like all three of the guys I mentioned from Friday better. Yeah, I don't like these guys nearly as much as Friday. There's a picture I like, but I'm going to keep it to myself. Sunday. Cueto? <laughs> Maybe. You know what was really fun in that White Sox game, by the way, on Thursday? Uh, Josh Harrison, he was pitching because they were getting blown out. And uh, he did like one of the Cueto like shimmy shakes while he was on the mound. It was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> on Sunday, Kyle Freeland is at the Nationals. Dane Dunning at the A's. James Caprillion versus the Rangers. And Rowanzi Contreras at the Padres. Let's go, Rowanzi Contreras. Yep, Dunning and Rowanzi. All right, we're going to wrap there for Scott and Chris. I am Frank. Thank you all for watching and listening. And we will be back again on Monday with our redraft of the first two rounds. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.